A very good morning to all of you. In 1 Corinthians 7, 1-24, the Apostle Paul responded to the question, Is it good for a man not to have sexual relationship with a woman? Pastor Iman preached on that last Sunday, so I won't revisit it. This morning, we will look at Paul's response to the other question raised by the Corinthians concerning marriage and singlehood. Should the virgin of marriageable age get married? Before we look at Paul's response to the question and his reasons for his response, let's find out who the virgins, who are the virgins in the passage in verses 25, 28, 34, 36, 37, and 38. In verse 25, the ESV and RSV translate, translated virgin as the betrothed, and the CEV translated it as people who had never been married, but most of the translations, most of the other Bible versions translate it as simply the virgins. In view of the use of the feminine article and the context, most Bible scholars and translators agree that the virgin in these verses refers to a married woman, or more specifically, it refers to women who has never been married, to differentiate it from a married woman who is a widow or divorcee. And it is interesting to note that in Revelation 14.4, the virgins refer to men. The translations for the virgin the unmarried in verses 36 and 38 is even more complicated. It all depends on who the anyone in verse 36 refers to. Bible translators and scholars hold different views. Let me read this verse for you. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong, and he feels he ought to marry, he should do so as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. So here, obviously, the translator take the anyone as the fiancé. So it's translate as like the virgin he's engaged to. And it's also translate that if his passion are too strong, then he ought to marry. And they should get married. But then other translation take the anyone as referring to the father or guardian. And then in that case, they will translate it as like, but if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes, he does not sin. Let them marry. This is in NKJV. So here, if they take the uh, anyone as the father or guardian, then they will take the virgin as the virgin daughter, not their fiancé. And but then both translations had its own problems. If you take this as to be a anyone as a fiancé, the problem would be the Greeks has no practice as engagement. Romans and Jews they do have engagement and they call it betrothal, and it is almost like a uh, marriage, it's a stage one of the marriage. So to break the union, you need to have a divorce. 
So in that case, you cannot just say, okay, you don't marry, and you cannot. It's not for the fiancé to decide that they should call off the marriage. And also, the fiancé cannot give this, uh, uh, this virgin, give her in marriage. So these are the problem with that. But on the other hand, if you take the anyone as a father or the guardian, you face the problem of like, it's very unlikely that the father will refer to the daughter as my virgin or his virgin. And also, the father will not, uh, he will not be able to say that, let them marry, who are the them? You know? So both actually had his own uh, problem. So most translators, they will choose to translate. Uh, they don't want to specify whether it's a virgin daughter or whether it's uh, uh, someone engaged to the man. They will simply just put it as his virgin, like NKJV or CEV. Only thing in the footnote, they put that as virgin daughter. Yeah, And the same thing, the, the phrase about his passion are too strong can be translated as past marriageable age. So those who think that anyone is a father, they will say that, you know, uh, this phrase should be translated as a past marriageable age. You're the father, so-called, in the sense that how he behaves, so-called, inappropriately to the daughter, it's like he failed to give the daughter to marriage when she was of the marriageable age. But then if you translate the anyone, think of the anyone as the fiancé, then they will translate as if the passions are too strong. So here, I also just want to give you a tip in your Bible study. It's very good for you in your Bible studies uh, when you're trying to understand the passage to refer to the various translations. It will actually give you more insight you know, in the passage. But in this case, when it's so confusing, well, thankfully, the advice of Paul to the father or to the fiancé is clear. Is in our verses 37 to 38. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. So the advice is very clear. If you take the anyone to be the um, fiancé, the advice would be to marry his virgin is fine. Not to marry her is better. And if you say that anyone is a fiancé, then the advice would be to give, although as a father or guardian, then the advice is to give the virgin daughter to marriage is fine. Not to give her to marriage is better. As long as you have settled this matter in your own mind, that you are clear that this is the right course to take as long as there's no compulsion, no external obligation such as a marriage contract. And also, you must have the authority to decide, not like the slave, there are no right uh, to decide over their own marriage. And finally, he has to make up his mind. So it's fine to marry or to give in marriage or not to marry or not to give in marriage. So the advice is the same. We are now ready to look at Paul's response to the question, should the virgins get married? And also his advice to the response. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 7 verses 25 to 28. 
and then 39 to 40. 25 to 28 is advice to the singles, the unmarried woman and also the single man. 39 to verse 40 is advice given to the widow. Let me read the passage to you. Now about virgins, I had no command from the Lord, but I gave a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. So here Paul says it's not a command, but then it is a trustworthy word and it is to be considered seriously. And also we must uh, also take note of the context. The context of the advice is in view of the present or the impending crisis. Here Paul did not tell us what the crisis is, but then most Bible scholars think that it probably is a persecution that they suffer, you know, because they are Christian, because of their faith. Or it is referring to the impending famine. In fact, there is firm archaeological and literal, literally evidence which indicates that they had been food shortage, shortage in Corinth during this period. So the advice in view of the impending crisis is it is good for a man to remain as he is, whether married or single. No, in this sense, Paul includes the single man as well, not just the unmarried woman. And if a single man or single woman marries, he or she has not sinned, just that those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And Paul gave a similar advice to the widow, which is in verses 39 to 40. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes. But he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. So the advice to the widow is somewhat similar to what is given to the single man and the single uh, woman. The widow is free to marry, just need to be sure that he belongs to the Lord. And of course, Paul added that she is happier if she stays as she is. Let's now move on to 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 31. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy, as if they were not. Those who buy something, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world, as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. In this section, Paul digressed from his subject and switched from speaking to the singles to address the whole church. He said the time is short in verse 29 and that this world is in, in its present form 
is passing away. And because of that, then we should view everything in light of that. So we should view marriage, sorrow, joy, possessions, material things with the perspective of eternity. And I would like to comment on the advice, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Because this does not mean that the husband should neglect the wife. John Wesley was guilty of that, and this partly contributed to his disastrous marriage. John Wesley said, I cannot understand how a Methodist preacher can answer it to God to preach one sermon or travel one day less in a married than in a single state. In other words, John Wesley was saying the married preacher should preach and travel as much as the single preacher. Of course, in the normal case, this is perfectly fine. In fact, we will encourage it. But looking at the schedule of John Wesley, I think it's really not advisable because most of the time, he would not be home and he just had no time for his wife and that partly contributed to a failed marriage. Let's move back. Paul asked us to take, you know, everything as if, you know, the word as if appear five times. You know, in light of the world in his present form is passing away. We should look at all these things in a different perspective. We should not make earthly things our ultimate objectives. We ought to be living as if we might have to leave this world at any moment. We may use the things of the world and enjoy the material comfort of this world, but we should not be engrossed in them. Wayne Kodairo gave an illustration on the brevity of our life on earth. In fact, in Job, you know, if you look at the, our life as a vapor. It's translated in the Bible as vanity, vanity, but actually the word literally means vapor. It just can disappear anytime. So because of the brevity of life on earth, this is quite foolish to focus just on our life on earth. This is what uh, Wayne Kodairo said, and I quote, If I were to take a cable and shoot it around the globe, and if I were to take a pen and make a stretch, scratch in the cable, maybe one sixty-fourth of an inch, that's how long our life is here on earth in comparison to eternity. Many people think that's all they have, so they cling to the scratch. They save, they love, they try to stretch the scratch. So they live scratch lives, scratch dreams, and have scratch hopes. He continued, I had a friend in college who worked hard on the paper he turned in. When he got it back from the professor's when he got it back, the professor's comments read, great research, great writing, great illustration, wrong assignment, all in capital letters. We don't want to make the same mistake. We don't want to busy ourselves with earthly pursuits and be told by the Lord, great fame, great wealth, great achievement, wrong assignment. We are instead to focus, to fulfill our calling and God's purpose in our life. 
we are to work for things that have eternal values. We should live life with the eternal perspective. And in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35, Paul moved back to this subject of whether the, the unmarried virgin, unmarried man should marry. So this is rationale. Let me read to you. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. His aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. I want to thank God that many men and women of God chose to remain single to devote themselves to God in his service. One good example is John Stock. John Stock remained single and celibate for the entire 90 years of his life. He opted for singleness to give himself more fully to God's work. He saw this as a personal direction from the Lord, not a pattern for all. We reference to 1 Corinthians 7.32-34, John Stock commented, Single people experience the great joy of being able to devote themselves with concentration and without distraction to the work to the Lord. Reflecting on his own life, John Stock saw this as a significant factor in his own singleness. He said, looking back with the benefit of hindsight, I think I know why God's purpose was for me to remain single. I could never have traveled or written as extensively as I have done if I have had, if I had had the responsibilities of a wife and family. So John Stott opted for singleness to give himself more fully to God's work. He lived a fulfilled and purposeful single life. However, there are some who are not single by choice, but find themselves in the circumstances of being single and they struggle with singleness. In his article for single men and women, John Piper made reference to Margaret Glutson's struggle as a singer. Margaret Glutson was an accomplished writer. In her book, So You Are Single, she wrote, Through no fault or choice of my own, I am unable to express my sexuality in the beauty and intimacy of Christian marriage as God intended when he created me a sexual being in his own image. To seek to do this outside of marriage is, by the clear teaching of scripture, to sin against God and against my own nature. As a committed Christian then, I have no alternative but to live a life of voluntary celibacy. I must be chaste not only in body, but in mind and spirit as well. Since I am now in my 60s, I think that 
my experience of what this means is valid. I want to go on record as having proof that for those who are committed to do God's will, His commands are His enablings. That this is possible, a mighty cloud of witnesses will join me to attest. Multitudes of single Christians in every age and circumstance have proved God's sufficiency in this matter. He has promised to meet our needs and he honors his word. If we seek fulfillment in him, we shall find it. It may not be easy, but whoever said the Christian life it was easy, the badge of Christian discipleship was a cross. And he and she continued, Why must I live my life alone? I do not know. But Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I accept my singleness from his hand. He could have ordered my life otherwise, but he has not chosen to do so. As his child, I must trust his love and wisdom. So Margaret Glasson trusted in the sovereignty of God, even though she struggled, but she accepted her singleness in submission and surrender to God. I'm going to share with you the poem written by Anne Anderson. She expressed the desire for marriage and the willingness to surrender to God's sovereignty in this poem. Jesus, if this is your will, then yes to being single. In my deepest heart, I want to marry, to belong to a great man, to know that I am linked to his life and he to mine, following Christ and our dreams together. But you know what I need if I never marry. It is yes to you. Let me share now John Stott's advice to the singles. One, don't be in too, uh, too great a hurry to get married. Be patient. Pray daily that God will guide you to your partner or show you if he wants you to remain single. Two, lead a normal social life. Develop many friendships. Three, if God calls you to singleness, don't fight it. Regard singleness as a vocation. God is faithful in supporting those he calls. In conclusion, let me say that singleness is not a holier status than marriage. Both marriage and singleness are good. Number two, where we are in the circumstances of our life is God's gift to us. First Corinthians 7, 7 says, But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Married or singer, we are to live for God's glory. And for the singers, devote yourselves to serve the Lord without distraction. And for those who are married, serve God as a couple. The application process for acceptance into the pastoral ministry in the Anglican Church includes not just the interview of the candidate, but the wife also. We have look upon it as a team ministry. And Fuller Theological Seminary has a grant for the couple studying in the seminary. The spouse only needs to pay 25% of the cost fee. I benefited from 
uh, uh, from it. I'm not sure whether it is still had the grants nowadays. Back then, in 1989, Paul was on study leave, so he was paid. I was a full-time homemaker, not earning any income, and the grant made it possible for me to do a degree as well. I always look upon the service of the married men and women as a team ministry with their spouse. And I would like to appreciate the spouse at appropriate occasion. For example, at the LCC installation, we can acknowledge you know, the contribution of the spouse because without the support, the LCC member will not be able to serve God in peace. And for the singers, look upon your singleness as a vocation at this stage of your life. Be single in the Lord. God is faithful and he supports those he calls. Be open to the leading of the Lord. I know of a couple, you know, after the death of the wife, in, he was already in his 60s. And later on, he got married and the wife then was uh, in the 50s. Many people look at the marriage and they wonder, at this stage, why bother to get married? You know, how many more years do you have? But surprise, surprise, this year, he will be turning 90 years old. And they have 20 over years of happy marriage. Who knows, you know, just need to be open for God to lead you. And C.S. Lewis, my one of my favorite authors, was married at age 59. And the wife then also was already uh, late 50s. So his marriage was short, not like the earlier couple that excited. I think they married only for about five or six years. So be open. You never know what God has in store for you. Finally, let me just close with a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to serve you, married or single. This morning, we pray especially for the singers in Christ. We pray for those who choose to remain single to serve you in undivided devotion. May they find joy in your service. We pray for those who are single by life circumstances. Some are at peace, some are struggling. Help them to trust in your sovereignty and follow your leading. We pray for us all, whether married or single, to live for your glory and to fulfill your purposes in our lives. Amen.